Welcome to Lectionary Mixtape. I'm your co-host, Daniel Eisenberg. And I'm your co-host, Ben Siebert. Each week, we take a look at the text, we talk about the text, and then we offer up a special musical offering related to those texts. The text for this week, the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, include Amos chapter 5, verses 18 through 24, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, and Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Hey, it's time for Jazz Odyssey, when we talk about the text in a bit of a freeform way. Jazz Odyssey is the part of the show when we talk about the text in a freeform way. So, what are you seeing, Ben? What are some of your first initial thoughts? What are some of your common threads? Well, uh, especially between Amos and Matthew, I'm seeing a lot of talk about timing. Uh Um, And so uh, both uh, the day of the Lord imagery or the day when uh, God comes or the arrival of something, um, both in the in the sense of understanding what it's going to be like, what it what it what it is, but then also understanding our preparation for it. Hmm. Fair. Yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely. I I think it gets a little bit thorny uh, because there's definitely lots of uh, eschatological end of times type of stuff, uh, which I don't know. How do you pump the brakes a little bit and start talking about what this has to do with us now uh, and how this affects our faith life now as opposed to making sure we don't get burnt by God's wrath at the end of days or something. Well, it's a both and, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about the the end of days, um, it's always been hard for me to figure out whether or not we're talking about something literal that also has, it's been difficult for me to figure out uh, both whether or not we're talking about something that has a literal sense where it's uh, the end of days and it's uh, a sense of how it affects us now or whether it's a metaphorical end of days and how it affects us now there's a part of me that wants to run away from the idea that there's going to be an end of days or something like that but as often as it appears it's meant uh i think we are meant to have hope in this end of days uh mentality and not just fear um, at the end of Amos, we have that thing that we love to quote, uh, which is preceded by everything that we don't love to quote, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The end of days is meant to be good um, and for the sake of good, even as we have um, even as we have a really rough introduction to it. Yeah, I like that you lift up the both and. I think that's especially clear in the Amos. Um, like you said, that justice flowing like uh, a mighty river and ever flowing stream, that sounds great. Um, you know, thinking of 
Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. Uh, but there's, like you said, the part before that is a little troubling. It's not going to be all gumdrops and rainbows. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. Um, and I think that there's um, two things come to mind. One is the uh, sort of classic Lutheran law and gospel dichotomy. Like the good news is good because we also admit that we need good news because we're surrounded by bad news. You know, forgiveness of sins is great if we recognize the fact that we have sins that need to be forgiven, like we've screwed up and things are tough. Um, so that's kind of a bare bones thing on that. Um, but then also like to think where I think most people know this phrase is King's, I have a dream speech and to say that wasn't it, you know, it wasn't just, you know, he gave the speech and then everybody held hands and now there's no more racism. It's all over. We did a good job, but like, even to think about the civil rights movement and the people who were beaten and were uh, attacked by dogs and thrown in jail and um, all these things, like it exposed that ugliness of and the sin of our nation. Um, and there's no way moving forward until we acknowledge that. Yeah. I, I think the connection between... Um, the things that we aren't to do, or I, I guess not aren't to do, the things that we can just stop doing um, in Amos, uh, which is, you know, the the festivals and the solemn assemblies and the burnt offerings and the grain offerings, and the noise of songs and the melody of harps, um, all that is for naught um, if justice and righteousness don't flow. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and so I think for for me, uh, the, the issue becomes one where where I wonder whether or not we're interested in any other sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think we become attached to our sacrifice, um, both in its piety and in, in trusting in its faithfulness but also attached to it in the way that somehow we have made this about us. I enjoy this type of sacrifice. I enjoy this moment. Um, and how could you take this from me? All of a sudden, it just doesn't really matter whether or not God appreciates it or God even desires it. Um, mm -hmm. But it's more about us. Yeah, it, it cuts to the heart of, it forces us to ask that question, why do we gather for worship? What is the point of it? And I think, and myself included, I think the first response is like, I need it. I need it to be reminded of God's promises. I need it to um, know that God's going to see me through tough days ahead. And that's true and that's good. Um, but if that's all it is, just a transaction between us and God, I sacrifice my time and whatever money I put in the offering plate, and then in exchange, God gives me the ants, the requests of my prayers or comfort or the promise of eternal life and all that stuff. Um, that's not necessarily bad, but it's not the end. Um, mm. And I think that if it's just about you getting 
your promise of salvation, your good news that God is going to see you through, then you've sort of missed the point because it's always about turning it outward then and sharing that good news with others. Um, to you, you can't you can't dam up that kind of a river. You can't dam up the river of justice. Yeah. And if we do that, that's not what God's cool with. Yeah. I think a little bit. First um, Thessalonians speaks to a different perspective <laughs> inside of this same, um, this same ecosystem. First mm-hmm. um, Thessalonians to me feels like uh, this is a word being spoken to the ones that want righteousness, the ones that want justice, um, and see the ones around them not really interested. I think in the midst of that kind of thing, we need hope. And in the midst of that kind of thing, we need um, this understanding that God continues to move and God continues to act. And I think, I don't know, for me, the connection between 1 Thessalonians and Amos is that that hope that the river of justice is going to reach everybody, that it's enough to water the land. Um you know, we, we're not like those who go on without hope. Like we know, even if the world does its worst, death, that still that can't stop God's river of justice in life. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the, the death that we're talking about um, in First Thessalonians is not necessarily an unjust death, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I think death of any kind is one that that informs us nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the death of First Thessalonians, I I don't really know what it is um, that they're talking about. It seems to just kind of all of a sudden don't be uninformed about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. I don't know if they've died unjustly or justly or from old age or from accidents or from purpose or from anything else. Um, but I think First Thessalonians is meant to be spread as wide as the circumstances of our life can go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so simply placing hope in a specific place, we place hope broadly that wherever we see death, whether it's by our hand or by another or by the natural way that life goes, um, we know that we know that Christ goes with us. Yeah. Yeah, and my understanding of that context is that the Thessalonian church and a lot of that like early, early church, um, I think a lot of folks think that First Thessalonians is the earliest written piece of the New Testament that we've got. Um that folks were thinking Jesus is going to be coming back and he's going to be coming back soon. And that's when we have the judgment and that's when we have the resurrection for all people and all that good stuff. And then like your buddy Tim dies and you're like, mm. well, wait, Jesus isn't back yet. What's going to happen to Tim? Um, and then there's this like, Hey, <laughs> even that, you know, things didn't work out the way you thought they would, but, even so, Tim is not lost to God. 
Um, we have hope that no matter what, the resurrection promise is going to be fulfilled. Yeah. And, and for us today, uh, uh, because we have been <laughs> much farther removed uh, from the cross, uh, at least in its temporal moment, um, it's easier for us to say like, oh yeah, no, we didn't expect Jesus to show up exactly today. Um, but we are still scandalized, I think. We're still scandalized by the amount of death that piles up in our life. Mm -hmm. um, both in the, the ceasing of actual life, but in the ways that we slowly kill one another. In the ways that we are slowly being killed um, by the way we live, by the things that happen. Yeah. I, I think this text speaks to that as well. Yeah, and especially in a time of COVID. You know, in our country at that point will probably be over at least 230,000 as cases are beginning to spike uh, at the time of our recording, which is just around Reformation Day slash Halloween. Um, to say that we don't live without hope, though, like it's OK to acknowledge it sucks, it's painful, it's not right, it's unjust, um, but we still don't have hope. Like we still don't give up hope. All that being said, Matthew mm -hmm. leaves me with questioning the amount of hope that I can have. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So when we get into this text with the, um, with the bridesmaids and the kingdom of heaven and, and the, the one that the bridegroom that comes at midnight or after, we have this, I have this sense at the end of the text that if I'm not ready in the exact right moment, it's all for naught. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear that. I, I've been, I struggle every <laughs> year a with Matthew's parables, uh, his latter parables. Um, they seem really harsh. They're very like do or die. Um, mm -hmm. And if you, don't have enough oil, then you're going to be locked out of God's party and tough noogies on that. But I don't know. I'm trying to hold them a little bit looser and not hold them so much as allegories of, oh, I'm the bridesmaid and, you know, Jesus is the, the host and heaven is on the other side of the door or whatever. Like that. I think makes it a bit more difficult uh, to take. But if I can look at it as Jesus telling a story to say, hey, we're in this for the long haul, so make sure your oil's kept. Um, that's sort of the route that I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I, I've been going pretty hard on my preaching um lots of go get them tiger let's let's do it god wants more out of this world that type of thing uh, our response to faith matters and i think a lot of that is the the way that matthew is i think that's a big emphasis and like you can't really change the text but i'm trying to I think for this one, make it more of an encouraging 
like, hey, how can we care for ourselves? Make sure that we as the gathered brides, uh, maids, that we've got enough oil amongst ourselves. Um, and that could be, in that case, the oil could be prayer and mutual encouragement um, and taking care of each other. And I don't know, I'm thinking about two big things that are kind of in it for the long haul. Sorry, I know I've been talking a while, but no, keep going. Um, one is thinking about COVID and how personally my expectations for how long this would quote unquote last has changed over the course of the year. Like when it first happened, it was like, okay, things will be shut down for a few weeks and then we can get back to normal. And then it was like, okay, maybe it'll be a couple months. Gosh, I really hope we're back by Easter. That would be great. And then that didn't happen. It was like, you know what? We're just going to have a big Easter celebration like and Pentecost rolled into one. And then that didn't happen. And now it's like, I wonder if we're going to be able to continue meeting in person for Christmas. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like all of these things, um, like we're in this for the long haul and it's hard and it's tough. And how can we as the body of Christ care for one another um, and care for our neighbors, like make sure we've got enough oil to keep the light lit. Um, and the other thing I'm thinking too is this pericope will come up uh, five days after the election. Um, and there's a couple of different things with that. Like one, we don't, we probably won't have the results in by then. I'm not sure, but everything I'm hearing, it's going to take a while because of all the mail-in ballots. And so we might be in the long haul, like waiting to find out what the future of our country might potentially look like. Um, And then anticipating civil unrest, um, depending on what certain leaders, how much they value democracy. Um, Like we might be in the long haul fighting for democracy and keeping people safe in the midst of protests and things like, like it's going to be tough. So how are we going to continue to keep our lamps lit? How are we going to keep our oil filled? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there's a lot there and I just say, yeah, but, um, I, I think, the the way that um, verse two uh, set of Matthew sets this up, five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. Really, I don't know. It all, it kind of echoes for me the the text of Ecclesiastes and the text of Proverbs and the and the the places where we see the foolish and the wise side by side, mm-hmm. and and the 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 wise so very very often as portrayed as people being people of the long haul, people being people who appreciate and understand the way that the world ebbs and flows in good and in bad, not according to our deeds or according to anything else, but simply this is what the world is like and we're prepared to walk through it. And so instead of grumbling at every twist and turn, every time we have to shut down or every time we have to open up or every time we have to stand up for justice or every time we have to keep silent uh, so that God can speak, Instead of complaining at every single turn, the wise often allow those things to happen and have faith in the midst of them as if as if they had any control over anyways. I don't know why I use the word allow, but I think you know what I mean. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, the wisdom literature is really good for that. There's lots of like, don't look for the easy answers. Don't pursue fleeting pleasures, like pursue fear and love of God. And, you know, there will be blessing that results from that. Um, there's lots of biblical characters to look at, too. I mean, I think of Elijah a lot. Um, one of my favorite stories is him getting fed by the ravens uh, and the other one where, like, he's in the cave and <clears throat> this is before the uh, still small voice and all that. It's all part of that same scene. And he's like, I'm done and lays down on the ground and an angel shows up and is like, I made you some bread. I got you some water. Eat up and then let's go. And I just, I really value that. I'm glad that we have these like heroes of the faith that are shown to be so vulnerable and like they're tired, they're beat up, they're done. And, you know, God's like, okay, we're going to recharge your batteries. We got to, we got to do this thing. You're going to have a little self-reflection time in the cave. You're going to have some, some nummies and then we're going to go. And I don't know. I, I think that that's one way that I think I could preach this that's encouraging uh, to the people who will hear my sermon as opposed to just like beating them up and being like, let's go, keep going. If you're not doing the thing, you're not being a Christian. And like, okay, where's your oil coming from? And I, I, I feel myself going in the same direction, but I also want to recognize that just theologically and, I don't know, intrinsically as a human being, that has grown up in the context that I have. I want to know what it means that the, the foolish can't enter, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to know what it means that um, they come back later and say, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he replies, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Mm -hmm. is it that is it that I was twisting and turning with everything and I missed the actual presence of the kingdom arriving is it that I'm so turned in on how I feel about things on my own self that I can't see the kingdom of God around me like what 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 in the world does a 10 11 and 12 mean mm-hmm Yeah, that's a good point. And like when we get to the end of 25, there's a similar thing too of the sheep and the goats. Yeah. Goats get shut out, sheep get welcomed in. And does that literally mean like if you're not 100% prepared, if you don't see Jesus in every hungry, thirsty, imprisoned person that you meet, that you're going to go to hell? I don't think so. And I don't think that was necessarily Jesus's intention with this either. Um, and one of the ways, one of the ways that I think you can work it, and I'm not sure if Matthew would approve, but is to talk about living into the kingdom. Maybe that's more of a Luke thing, but like, 
if you're not doing these things, then you're missing out on the opportunity. Hmm. It's not necessarily like a test God is throwing at you to see if you can make it into heaven, but that it's the opportunity to live into the kingdom of God, to experience abundant life, like to do these things, to live for the sake of others, to see Jesus in the face of your neighbor, to um, keep alert and like always on the lookout for Jesus's action in the world. Yeah. And we're going to march through Matthew 25 here um, in the rest of in the rest of our time together. We're going to hear these texts um, ultimately. I do think that this this sense of endurance is one that we can carry with us um, through each of these texts. Um, Mm-hmm. Again, like the, the the end of this text, it feels like it's just saying like, no, you're out. But verse 13 is really the end of this pericope. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Um, it's almost like uh, encouragement with punishment, like it's going to be worse. You know, um, when I when I first started distance running, uh, when, I, when I was a kid, um, the one who helped me the most was uh, my cousin. And he told me, you know, like if you stop uh, every so often, it's actually just harder to start running again than it is if you just keep running. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was kind of that. Well, I trust that there's going to be something better for me down this road, even though it seems like the worst option right now. Um, and maybe that's just kind of what we carry with us. It's hard to be. Um, it's hard to have endurance here. It's hard to have hope here. It's hard to think that righteousness and justice are ever going to flow here. It's hard to keep going. Um, but then there's that voice that comes through and says, the kingdom of heaven is coming and has come near, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so endure, keep going, keep making those steps. Yeah. And maybe that's like where that first Thessalonians message can be helpful Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of explicit hope in this parable. And I like you can sort of make First Thessalonians and Matthew 25 talk to each other and say, yeah, and the reason we're going to keep up, you know, stay up all night because we neither know the day uh, nor the hour is because we have hope. We have hope that it's going to be good. We have hope that it's going to be worth it. We have hope that it's going to make a difference in the world. I don't know. Yeah. Because without that, the it is very doom and gloom. <laughs> be good or else. Stay awake or get shut out of God's party forever. Yeah. And that's just, I don't know. That ain't God. Um, it would surprise me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should we turn it up to 11? Yeah, let's do it. This goes up to 10. We're cranking it all the way to 11. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, what are you turning up to 11, Ben? Um... Well, uh, it's kind of a mix between uh, what we just spoke about and what I had prepared before. Beforehand, I had prepared um, just the understanding of a moment 
um, the understanding of this point in time where where we can come to appreciate that weight of our actions of God's movement in the world um, that things things are still in play you know our life the life of the world the life of the kingdom of God I feel that now mixed with the note that we ended on this this sense of endurance, this sense of hope that can get woven through there so that um, it's not simply this phenomenal cosmic powers to use a weird line out of Aladdin. Um, it's not <laughs> simply these things that are simply swirling around us um, to strike fear into our hearts and nothing else. But it's it's this sense of God moving throughout these things. Um, to create good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I mean, especially the very last thing you said, to create good. Um, that can definitely be lost on these readings, and that's important to frame it that way. I think that makes a lot of sense. For me, uh, it's probably no secrets, but I spent like three minutes straight talking about <laughs> it's like <laughs> whoops um spoiler is yeah. the like being in it for the long haul and like what do we need like what's the oil that we need the extra oil that we need to pack um and like what are they and the oil that god and the holy spirit have provided for us and that can be the sacraments and that can be prayer uh individually between you and God. It can be asking people to pray for you. It could be like being with somebody and praying for each other. It could be like holding on to scripture, especially those like hopeful passages. Um, It can be, you know, that weekly Zoom call with your best friend who's really good at just saying, hey, I know things suck, but you got it. Um, That's my turn at 211. I think especially with that week being the week after several days after election night and also um, being, you know, eight months into COVID-19 stuff. So I think it's like, I think we need that. Like, how are we going to endure and continue being the church? Um, And I think that's the other part though. I think that's my go get them thing is it's not just like, making it through it's that so that we can also be the oil for others mm-hmm. and like i don't know maybe that's a little preaching against the text but five of the bridesmaids they bring enough oil for themselves and a little extra for themselves and the other five don't bring enough extra and they don't share because they don't have enough to go around and like what if we're able to say like you know what we're going to bring extra and for the people who forgot or the people who were unable to f- afford extra oil. Um, and we're going to share those gifts of God with others. I don't know. Yeah. Or just, you know, as many people as before this time becomes that we're drowsy and sleepy, um, as many people as we can invite to bring the oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Kids pop. Yeah, let's do it. It's time for Kids Bop. 
When we take your favorite hits, make them a little bit more kid-friendly. Uh, what do you got for Kids Bop, Ben? Well, I, I thought of this um, sense of being prepared and endurance, and I wanted to look at little moments that we as kids prepare for each day and prepare for the future. Um, and so we can talk about maybe times when we have helped out in the kitchen and watching our parents um, prepare each day uh, food for us uh, in a variety of ways. Um, we could talk about preparing each day by brushing our teeth, preparing each day by washing our hands, the little moments of preparation that helped us to go forward. And then to talk about what it looks like to prepare our hearts and prepare um, ourselves for what God calls us to do, to be loving and kind and good. Um, that preparation looks different, but it can look like praying before meals, praying at night. It can be, look like doing a little devotion. It can look like coming to church each week. In the same way that we have little moments of preparation um, throughout the day for our bodies and for our minds, we have moments of preparation for our hearts, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really nice. I like that preparation theme. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. I've got something. Mine is really similar to yours, uh, except I lean a little less on the preparation and more on the like care, like self-care type of a thing and mutual care, I guess. Mm-hmm. So like same kind of a thing, like how do we, how do we get ready? How do we um, keep ourselves well? Um, so like, I want to go through like, how do we take care of our bodies and help take care of other people's bodies? So we eat healthy and you exercise and you get some sunshine and you know, all that good stuff. And like, and how do we take care of our minds? And, oh, you know, you keep your mind active and you read and you play and you do a lot of imagining and all that good stuff. And like, and also how do you take care of your heart? How do you take care of your spirit? And like one of the things that we do at church is like we help provide that and we help each other out in caring for our hearts and for our spirits. You know, we, we pray and we read stories of God's love and we um, uh, have communion and all those kind of things. Like So that's sort of my thought and like going through that. And if I'm feeling really wild, I can have like little props, like a little plastic banana and a book <laughs> and uh, I don't know, and go to the baptismal font or like walk over to the communion table or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, mixtape? Yeah, let's mixtape. Let's do it. You know, Ben, that reminds me of a song. Nice. What do you have for this week, Dan? I have, I have chosen Regina Spector's One More Time with Feeling. Uh, which comes off of her Far album. Um, And I really like this song um, because the chorus has this theme of, like, we're going to make it through kind of a thing. Um, The chorus goes, hold on one more time with feeling, try it again, breathing's just a rhythm. Say it in your mind until you know that the words are right. This is why we fight. 
Um, and just like, I really like that. Um, and the song itself, uh, musically has some, what's the word now? Very, um, uh, eager, I guess is like one way to think of it, kind of driving force to it. Um, it feels a little bit, uh, somber at times. Uh, but then like as it goes through, there's like some playfulness and some fun that comes out. She goes on to do some like do 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 do's, uh, which is really <laughs> sweet and very Regina Spector. Um, and so I, I really like that it has both of that. Like we are fighting. It's tough getting through. Um, it's hard to endure, but we're holding on and we're do 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 doing while we do it too. I, I like the playfulness that gets found in the midst of that too. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's oh, yeah. it's still moving in the right direction, but it doesn't feel as crushing <laughs> as we could make it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. In my in my mixtape, I was up between two different uh, finalists that I kept going back and forth between. Um, I picked the lighter of the two. Uh, the two finalists were <laughs> were up all night by the band <laughs> Slaughter. Um, which, you know, light, light and happy one. Um, uh-huh. But uh, the finalist was Take On Me by AHA. Nice. And yeah, what I really like is kind of this, this kind of movement, hesitatory movement, but movement nonetheless of um, searching for one another, of a relationship that's in bloom. Um, and, and realizing that, there's timing in the midst of this, you know, uh, there's a time for all these things. Um, and so in the first verse, uh, um, to, I don't know what to say. I'll say it anyway. Today is another day to find you shying away. I'll be coming for your love. Okay. Um, and then the, the idea of take on me and take me on, I'll be gone in a day or two. Um, I, I like this immediacy of the moment um, where we're being called to act in the present, uh, even as we look towards the future, but also how the experience isn't forced. We recognize that we are sometimes moving in a good direction and sometimes moving in a bad. Um, and then there's this gentle invitation and harsh invitation all at once to wake up and to keep awake. Again, there's like kind of an imperative and there's also a playfulness, you know, especially that little, the falsetto and the, the chorus, yeah, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Karaoke. Nice. Ah, so good. Yeah. That's one thing I miss in the pandemic. Not that I went very often. There's a place down the road from us, um, a karaoke bar that opened mm. 
a while ago, uh, not a long time ago, but like maybe a couple months before the pandemic hit. And uh, my spouse and I were very excited, like, oh, we got to go sometime. Like, we'll get a babysitter and just like go have a couple friends. It'll be great. That's one thing I'm mourning. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to keep my lamp lit until we get to the karaoke <laughs> bar and I can sing Take On Me. Here you with all the gusto you can manage. Yep. Uh, we don't we don't go on as like those who have no hope. <laughs> no, we don't. <sighs> well, well, I think that's going to do it for us over here at Lectionary Mixtape. Join us next week as we hop on to the 24th Sunday after Pentecost. Get some more Matthew 25 goodness in there. Yeah, thanks for spending some time, and we'll talk with you later. Take care. Bye. Bye.